Hey everybody and welcome to the Fathoming Heavy Podcast. My name is Andrew and today my guest is Will Carroll. He plays drums in Death Angel, hammers a misfortune and old granddad, and has been sort of a staple in the Bay Area thrash metal scene since the 1980s. Um, he and I met up a couple of weeks ago in a coffee shop. There's quite a bit of background noise, but you can hear us just fine, so all is good there. Uh, Will is hilarious. He has a ton of stories, and I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface of that in this podcast, but you can hear more of those stories in his radio show on Gimme Radio. This is G-I-M-M-I-E Radio. Uh, there's an app for that. You can get that, and it is an all-metal online radio station with all kinds of different DJs, uh, musicians, writers, um, all people connected with metal, and it's fantastic, and you can listen to that all day and all night uh, until you die or until I put out another episode of this podcast. Uh, Will is a massive KISS fan, and anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that I am too. We kind of start there and don't leave KISS for about 40 minutes, so it's all here and it's all for you to listen to, and then we get into everything else. Um, but the most important stuff first, that is KISS, and uh, hopefully you guys can hang with that. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, shoot me an email, fathomingheavy at gmail.com. All right, that's it. Let's do it. <laughs> I saw their second show ever, and they opened for Death Angel. That was yeah, they, they won the contest yeah. to open for Death Angel. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And that was at the New Mountain View Theater. Yep, very short-lived place. Very short-lived place. A handful of amazing shows there. I never went there. Oh was, no! How, how big was it? Um, it was an old movie theater, like an arts-type theater. So, you know, uh, I would say, and this is 30 years, I would say probably. 400. Wow, because Slayer played there a couple times, Slayer. at least once. Once. They played With Epidemic. There. Epidemic. Yeah. yeah, they played there on the uh, Southern Heavens World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of 88. Yeah. Yeah. They had some really, yeah, it was a short-lived place, but they had some big shows there. Yeah, Exodus played there, uh, Te uh, Testament played. I remember Testament playing there. Epidemic opened for them that night. Um, DRI played. Death Angel played three times. Yeah, yeah, I knew they played there more than once. Yeah, and I went to all three of those. Um... Yeah, those are the shows that I saw there. It was only open for like two years or something? Yeah, I would say <laughs> yeah. that's probably right. Um, maybe even a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I never got a chance to go down there. Did you grow up in the Bay Area? Yeah, I'm uh, born in San Francisco. I grew okay. up in Daly City. Okay. So, Daly City is pretty much San Francisco. I mean, pretty it's so close, you know, yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, I've been here my whole life. Yeah. So, how did it start for you? How did you get into heavy music? For my, uh, my my older siblings, uh, I'm, I'm the youngest of four, and my sister's 10 years older than me, and the next brother's nine years older than me, right. and the next brother's six or seven years older than me, so they were already listening to records and buying records, and they were into rock music when I was born, you know, so... Uh, How old are you? I'm uh, 45. I was born in 73, so like by like, uh, by 1977, 78, I already... 
New Kids Alive too. Okay. From beginning to end. Yeah. And um, Kiss was my first first love. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then Van Halen and Aerosmith rocks. But yeah, I heard all those things from my old, older sister okay. and my yeah. oldest brother. So they they're, they're to blame. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you know once. Uh, once I turned like 10 or 11, I started buying records on my own and started getting into heavier stuff. Like the first heavier album I bought was Pizza Mine. And uh, the first record I ever bought was Van Halen 1984. Okay. And the very next album I bought was, was Peace of Mind and the Holy Dive, or uh, Last of Mine. Okay. So I started going more into metal right away right. when I was buying records. Right, right. And then... Uh, we were probably doing that at the exact same time. I think you had a jump on me by a few years just because of your your family. But How old are you? I'm, I'll be 46 in a few Oh, okay, weeks. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, born in 72. Um, you don't have older siblings? I don't. Okay. But I had an older friend who um, was my friend, or my parents were friends with his parents. And so, and he was maybe seven years older than me. And so he was a huge Kiss fan. And so he kind of introduced me to them. Yeah. Um, around... 1980 was the year for me. That's when I kind of got into them. But then it's the same. It's the same trajectory. I mean, Maiden and, and, and all of that stuff. That's a weird year to get into Kiss. Cause that's when Kiss was kind of like like losing some momentum completely. You know. I know. I know. <laughs> Dynasty, uh, Unmasked, Unmasked, and then the yeah. Elder right after. It was like right. Kiss was like one of the most unpopular bands in the world. <laughs> yeah. All the all the, the you know. I had a big kiss belt buckle and a ton of kiss shirts and everything. Uh, it was just kiss sucks, kiss sucks. Oh, I heard that all the time too. You know, my skin got really thick after a while. Yeah. I just didn't, didn't care. And I loved those records. I love Dynasty and Unmasked and The Elder. I love them all. Me too. And, and when, uh, when Creatures came out, I was like, oh shit, they're back. But when Lick It Up came out, that's when I was like fuck you all, all the people were saying kiss up yeah right I'm like right. fuck you man they're on MTV they're, they're back motherfucker yeah. <laughs> they're not going yeah. away man yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no you're absolutely right did you get to see them back then no man I, that was one thing about my, my parents were really open about me listening to music and buying records and being into heavy metal but going to shows they didn't let me go to a show until the Asylum tour mm, mm-hmm. uh, uh, February 4th 1986 yeah that was my first show. Okay. Okay. Kiss and Wasp. Wasp okay. on the Last Command tour. It was a good tour. It was a good, good show. Where was that show? At the Cow Palace. Cow Palace. Half full. Yeah. Half yeah. full. Which is surprising on Asylum because there was, that was a big album. There were some big songs on that record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my first concert. Then I went to the very next week. I went to like I think TV Top at the Cow Palace. Okay. I feel like Cow Palace was having concerts like. Like four a month, you know, like, right. like it was really cool back then. I missed yeah. the Cal Palace. Um, so, yeah, like after Iron Maiden, like getting into heavier, heavier stuff, Metallica was a gateway band yes. for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, and was that pretty no early? way I deny it. What? Was that early on for. It was Ride the Lightning. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's when, I, that's when I got turned on. Actually, I heard of them uh, during a, a Kill Em All, but I didn't hear the music until Ride the Lightning. I was like, wow. Yeah. But you I knew know, that they were around. Then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they had already played the day on the green, yeah, and the New Year's Eve show. Remember the New Year's Eve show I with do. Exodus, with Exodus yeah, yeah. and Metal and Church. Metal Church, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got the flyer for that. Yeah, yeah. And the, the lineup changed like three times. Like originally it was Anthrax was on the bill originally, and they they got bumped off. Metal Church got added at the last minute. I think Slayer was on the bill at okay. one point, but then the final lineup was yeah. Uh, 
Exodus opening in Metal Church. And, yeah, it was Exodus Metal Church, yeah. yeah. But I didn't go to that, but uh, yeah. I, I knew all about Metallica at the time, yeah. so. Yeah, I knew where they lived, I knew all of that, but I didn't actually get to see them until uh, the Aussie tour in the summer of 86, June of 86. Dude, oh man, I had to, my, my brother, oh God. So <laughs> I had gone and seen uh, ACDC at the Cow Palace like a month before that show, or, yeah. or, or the Who Made Who tour. Okay. And uh, it was my first time seeing ACDC. I didn't realize how long they played. They, they played till almost midnight, you know? So we missed our bus getting home. Uh, and we lived in Daly City, you know? And I was with my older brother, and he was supposed to be like, you know, chaperoning me or whatever. We ended up catching a cab or something like that, and we, we didn't get home until well after two o'clock. So my mom was like, you're grounded, you're grounded. So then the Aussie, and I knew the Aussie Metallica show was coming up, and my brother was going. And I just remember the day of the show, I, I was too afraid to ask my mom to go, because she was furious at me. And then the day of the show, my mom goes, oh, how, Willie, why aren't you going? And I'm like, what? And I was like, and it was sold out already. I remember my brother went to the Cow Palace to try to find a scalp ticket okay. for me. He called back, and he was like, they're too expensive. And so I didn't go to that fucking show. So I didn't see Metallica until Injustice for All. How lame. But uh, my first Metallica, it was a good show. That though. was a great show, the, the Cow Palace show. Yeah, the Queensryche opening. Yeah, yeah. That did was. You, did you go to the? Um, I went the first night. Monsters of Rock. Uh, earlier that summer. Oh wait, yeah, that was my first time seeing Metallica. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They played like Harvester of Sorrow was the only thing they played. Yeah, Justice. But I would have liked to have gone to the to the Dan the Green show. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. Or, or, or the Aussie show. I mean, like I could have gone. Like it's like I never saw Cliff Burton. You know, like yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah, I had sort of a similar thing. Is my folks were more or less supportive of my love of all this stuff, but um, they just weren't too keen on me going out to the show. So I mean, I got to see Kiss on Creatures, and then I got to you, see you saw the Bill Graham Civics yeah. at the show with yeah, yeah. Motley Crue. That was my first show. That was my brother's first okay. first show. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Again, I, I, I think. I, <laughs> I think it was about half full, but... Oh, yeah, definitely. He told me it was only half full. Yeah. The, the, the tour canceled. They canceled the rest of the tour. I think the that next... was the last night of the tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the ticket sales were so terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that day really well. I was crying so hard. I was a little kid. Like, that was what... Yeah. That was, uh, it was April 3rd, 1983. Yeah, I was almost 10 years old. Yeah. So that was your first show? Yeah. You lucky bastard. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Got the, got the tour book. Still. Yeah, I, I have the tour book still. Okay. Yeah. He got me the tour book. Nice. That's it's a valuable tour book. Yeah, yeah. And I also have the, the 10th anniversary hat oh, with, with, okay. with the tank, with the flames. Like, nice. yeah. I still have that. Uh, but yeah, I remember that day. I'll never forget that day. I was one of the, up until that point, that was the worst day of my life. But uh, <laughs> still one of the worst days of my life. I, was, I remember just crying so hard when everyone left the house. And my parents took me to... McDonald's at ceremony to cheer me up. Okay. I was like, no, man. I was just like, this is not working. This Big Mac is not comparing to seeing, seeing a war machine live, you know? Yeah. 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 And seeing, I mean, so technically, Motley Crue was the first band I ever got to see. And that was, you know, that was pre Shout of the Devil. Dude, they were playing lots of Shout of the Devil they songs. Were, yeah. It was yeah. like half and half. Yeah. I think, they, I think they, I saw the set list, like, a, yeah, like, Four four songs from each album or something like that. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to get a recording of that. I have I have the recording of the Kiss set from that night, but I don't. Uh, have video or audio? Audio. Uh, yeah. On what format? Like, do you have it on record or, or? I have a CD. You have a CD of yeah. it. Oh wow! Yeah. I'd like to. I'm happy to 
rip you a copy. Of oh, I'll, I'll give it. That might blow my brother's mind. Okay. Yeah, it was fun to get that and listen to it again. Yeah. I, I can't I can't believe how well I remember Paul's Paul's banter. Yeah. Um, and because it, it was shocking to hear all that, because he really, I mean, the the the, the, the profanity. Oh yeah, yeah. Not you don't get that on a live or a live two. And he didn't do he it didn't back then either. Back. Yeah, yeah. There's too many but, kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, he let loose. And, yeah. Well, because well, Vince Neil was like swearing his head off. I, I I remember that. I remember like when my brother came over, he goes, "Man, it's an opening band, Motley Crue." The lead singer was like, "We fucked this and mm-hmm. fucked that," and, and so he was probably just trying to keep up, Paul Stanley. You know. <laughs> I think so. I've got other bootlegs from that tour, and. It was never as extreme as it was that night. Right. Yeah. Right. Someone threw something at him early on, and um, he just went on a tirade against that guy. Huh. It was it was something. But <laughs> a brother also told me he remembers during Motley Crue's set, like they were sitting up in some seats. They they, they could see uh, Paul Stanley without makeup on the side of the stage talking to Bill Graham. Oh wow. All right. Yeah. I don't know if I saw that or not. I would not have recognized Paul for sure. I'm not quite sure how they knew it was Paul, but yeah. they were pretty sure it was Bill Graham's office. Wow. So that's kind of a cool wow. factoid. That is cool. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. yeah. I love hearing stuff, little bits of minutia about... Well, the, the show that, you're that. at? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's one of those things that, just, just like for you and the uh, Asylum show, I'm sure, there's yeah. so much of that that's probably embedded in your memory. Totally, you can't remember man. what you did yesterday, but you remember everything about that. Totally, memory. yeah. I remember, the, I remember the date. I remember the set list. Yeah. I remember, like, the, I think the second song of the show was All, all Night. All uh, night. Whoa, man, that's a weird <laughs> follow-up to, to Detroit Rock City or wherever they opened up. It opened up in Detroit Rock City, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I was right away. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the sound. I do too, man. I do too. It, it's the breaking point for them, though. Like, yes. absolutely. It was a sign of things to come, you know, bad things. Like, I don't like Crazy Nights. No. I really hate. Uh, Hot and Shade. Oh, this album's all over the place, man. Like, it's too long. It's too long. Yeah. There's like six songs that don't need to be on there, man. Like, King of Hearts. I mean, I, I, the only reason why I know that song, King of Hearts, <laughs> because like, if we had this interview three months ago, I wouldn't be able to name more than five songs off that album. And there's like, 13 songs on that album, maybe? That might be right. And, and so, but I bought... <laughs> that's the only album I don't have on vinyl. Okay. Up until Revenge, you know? So, oh, that's not true. I have all the vinyl up in Psycho, Psycho Circus. But anyways, uh, uh, that was the only one I didn't have from the 80s. And Death Angel was playing a festival a couple months ago in, uh, in Holland. And I went to the, to the record fair, like the, the heavy metal tent where they have all the record yes, vendors. Yeah, yeah. And that was, that was the only thing that, there that I, that I was like, ah, you know, I don't have that album. And it's only, it was only like 10 bucks, you know. It was like... Alright, I'll fucking finally I just complete my collection, you know. It's like guy so I listened to that album like a month ago, so it's kind of fresh in my head. I remember there's a song called King Do you remember King of Hearts? Do you remember that song goes? I, I don't remember. <laughs> exactly, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> I don't remember. That's that's one of many Paul songs that are like what I, I for once Paul wrote a bunch of throwaway songs. Usually yeah. Gene's the one. Usually he's the one, yeah. But yeah, there's just way too much filler on that album. Ugh. Yeah, well, those were, I guess, technically, actually, just demos anyway. Um, that album was just demos? Yeah, yeah. But they had, I mean, Forever was on that, and that did well for them. Totally, that tour was huge, and it was a yeah. great tour. It was a great tour. I didn't see that tour. Oh, dude, yeah. that's, yeah. you know, this is going to sound weird. That's the best time I ever saw a kid. Okay. Even better than the, all the reunion shows and, and the makeup shows. 
dude, they were on fire, man. Yeah. Like the, the stage set was cool with the Sphinx. And right. I had a Sphinx sang one of the verses in God of Thunder. And uh, just the fact that they played God of Thunder, they were playing lots of old songs right, on that tour. Right. Like I Stole Your Love. Didn't they even open with I Stole Your Love? They opened love? with yeah. I Stole Your Love, yep. Yeah. Right. They played I Want You. Yeah. A bunch of songs they haven't played since the 70s, you know? Um, yeah, that was, was really cool. Tour. It was a long show. Yeah, a long show. And they looked better. Yeah, yeah they, they weren't as frilly and, and pink, pink and fluorescent yeah, right, as they were on the other tours. Um, did you see um, Did you see the uh, um, Crazy Nights tour? Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. With Anthrax. Oh, dude, Anthrax blew them away, Oh, they man. did. It was always embarrassing. Did you see that, that tour? Yeah, I was at the, the Civic Center. Oh, well, what did you think of it? I thought it was I thought it was the worst Kiss show ever. That, I mean, to this day, it's the worst Kiss show ever. They only played for an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Their set was like only like 13 songs. It was like, could be how short it was. And it was Anthrax on Among the Living. Come on, man. Like, that's Anthrax when they're completely on fire. Yeah. On their best album, and they're, 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 they're breaking out, you know? Yeah. They, they blew Kiss away, dude. Yeah. And I hate to admit that, you know, but, but it's true. Like, I, I was a huge Anthrax fan at the time, too. And I knew they were going to blow them away. Because, yeah. like, I had like Crazy Nights and I loved uh, Among right. the Living. Right. And I was thinking to myself, like, what is Kiss thinking having this band over for him? Like, they're going to get killed. And they did get killed. You know, the crowd went crazy for Anthrax. Yeah. And then people actually left after Anthrax. I saw some people okay. filter out. And I remember, I remember <laughs> during the Kiss set, they're gonna do. They're, they're gonna do reason to live, and they started bringing the keyboard out, and people started booing. And Bruce Kulick went. He went, he went like that, and they, they they took the keyboard back. They didn't even play that song. It was on the set list, though. Okay. All right. But, uh, Actually, yeah, I don't remember even what they played. I remember it was short, and I remember just being kind of bummed out with it. And the stage was weak too. It was just like kind of like a a dome. Yeah. Like it, it didn't have any like cool look to it. And the weird thing is, on Hot in the Shade. They had two of the worst bands around at the time opening. I still love the show. Is it Slaughter? It was Slaughter yeah. and Great White. Okay. Oh, no, Slaughter and Winger. Okay. Right. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, That's pretty inexcusable. Yeah, dude. And I it still rock. You know, Kiss was still amazing. They should have had Slaughter and Winger on the Crazy Night Store. Yeah. And Anthrax on the Hot <laughs> Shade. That would have fit a lot better. But Anthrax would have thought the same, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I talked to Scott Ian one night, and I, I just, I, he was DJing at a casino in Vegas. Oh, the and, Hard Rock? Yeah. yeah. And, and so I went up to him, and I, and I said, you know, I saw you guys open for Kiss, and he said, crazy nights. And I said, yeah, I said, you guys were great. They were terrible. And he said, yeah, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't a high point. I had pretty much the exact same conversation with Troy Minante, <laughs> and that was kind of like, I'm trying to get, get him to say stuff. I was, I was like, like, come on, dude. I was like, you must have been thinking at the time, like, you do Kiss without their lowest point. Yeah, yeah. But they were pumped just to be able to spend time with them. That's exactly what he said. Yeah, right. He said, dude, we're opening for Kiss. And I was like, I know, I know. Kiss is my favorite band. Yeah. I know. But come on, you had to have known that Among the Living's taking off. Yeah. Thrash Metal's going huge. Right. You had to have known you guys were blowing them, blowing them away every night. And he's like, well, I'll never say that, but he nodded, he nodded, and he said, I'll never say that, but he nodded. I'm like, yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even Kiss knows it. <laughs> I do remember from that Crazy Night show, because um, I was on the, the floor, and I looked over, and Mark from Death Angel was there. And oh, yeah? And kind of nodded at him. And, uh, and <laughs> both, uh, that was during Detroit Rock City, so we were both kind of kind of into it. And that was towards the end of the show. It was towards the, the end of the show. They opened up yeah. with Love Gun. 
I can't. The first, dude, the first two songs were Love Gun, then Bang Bang You. Okay. Oh, man. I mean, I know they're trying to keep the theme going with the gun and the right. Bang Bang. And he says Love Gun and Bang Bang You. So I, I get the one-two punch, but it, musically, it just... And actually, Love Gun opening up the show didn't really work that well either. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's, that's odd, you know? Yeah. Did you, yeah. See, did you see Revenge? I did. At uh, the Open Call scene. And that was depressing, too, because it was it was way less than half full, man. Way less. But and they it, were great that night. They were great that night. But I do remember it was fucking freezing in there. Like, it was okay. December... It was right before Christmas. It was yeah, like the 18th or 19th, something like it, that. It was kind of rainy and freezing. Let me know why I remember that detail so much is because my, me and my brother, we took Bart out there and the opening bands were, once again, two bands I hate and, and refuse to watch. Yeah. It was Great White and Trickster. Trickster. Yeah. And there's no way I'm going to go watch Trickster. Right. Maybe. I'll, maybe I'll catch a little bit of Great White. But So my brother and I just like stood in the parking lot and split a six pack and we're freezing our asses off. Yeah. And I kind of remember Paul Staley saying on stage, well, it's cold in here. Oh, okay. He said something about it being cold in the venue. Okay. Like, but yeah, they were good that night. They were good that I've night. I've got the audio from that too. I should go listen to that. Okay, prove me wrong. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm. I, I, I believe you. I just can't remember. Uh, okay, I want you to confirm it. You <laughs> got. You got to listen to it. I will. I, I seem to remember him saying, "Boy, it's sure cold in here." So let's heat this motherfucker <laughs> up. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know. <laughs> How many uh, revenge shows did you see? Or not revenge, uh, reunion shows did you see? Only two. I went to uh, one of the nights in San Jose. Yeah. And then the very next night. I went to the second night in San Jose and the very next night in the Arco Arena. No, there was only one night in San Jose. Really? Yeah, and I did the same thing. I went to that night and then the next night uh, at Arco. I went went to both both nights. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And... I think I had more fun. They were both amazing. They were amazing. But I had more fun at the Arthur Arena show already. Okay. Maybe because, maybe because like, the shock was over, so I was yeah. just paying attention more and getting into it. Because like, the San Jose show, I was just like, drunk off my ass. I'm like, oh my god, I can show! Like, going crazy. Yeah. Remember the giant inflatable uh, kiss statues that were in front of the Shark Tank? Did uh, they, see, I don't remember them being at the Shark Tank. I remember them being in Arco. Oh, maybe people see. Maybe it's vice versa. Maybe. Either way, I, I, have, I have a picture in front of all four of them. Maybe it's Arco Arena. Yeah. But those were pretty impressive. Those were amazing. I was like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. 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 Ah, okay, yeah. So it was Arco Arena. But, yeah. So I saw him twice on that tour. And then uh, I went to Dodger Stadium for yeah, Hall- yeah. Halloween. You went to that show? Yes, I did. For the first night of... Uh, first night of Psycho Circus. Yeah. yeah. No, that was awesome, too, dude. That was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. It, it was crazy. They had like circus acts going on right. in, in the middle. That big round ball thing with the motorcyclists. Totally. Them. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. The, the 3D didn't work that well. No, that was not that great. But I got my glasses. Still. I still have my glasses too. They <laughs> <laughs> were in my tour book from the yeah. from the show. Yeah. That was specially for that show. Yep. Yeah. And who was and Smashing Pumpkins Smashing opened? Pumpkins. And they were the Beatles. For yeah, they played Money. Yep. Yeah, they came out, and then they took all that stuff off. Yep, yep. But yeah, they were dressed in suits at yeah. first. They even had a, the Beatles drum set. Like yeah. The, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. They were good too, actually. They were good. It's the only time I've seen them, but I, I enjoyed them. That's the only time I've ever seen them as well. The, the thing I remember the most about that show was uh, they did something during She. It's like they did an extra, they put in an extra bar or something, and they just went one step lower. And it was so heavy. Huh. Uh, there was something about 
something about what they did in She that stood out for me. And I, I have that. I have that DVD of that show. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to think. After that, you know, I don't think I went to any other Kiss shows until. Uh, I think I went to go see them on their farewell tour. Yeah. They, they played a shoreline in their farewell. farewell. They shoreline and then they played Comet. I think I went to the shoreline for the farewell, and that was it. And I didn't see him again until uh, we toured with Motley Crue like you know, five or six years ago. It was on the, it was on Monster. It was on the Monster tour. Okay. So yeah, five six years ago. Okay, yeah. And they played uh, Conquer Pavilion. Okay. So that, that's the last time I've seen Kiss. Uh, is, that, is that a good show? I like that record, actually. I do like that record, yeah. too. A lot of people don't like that album, but I, I like it a lot, actually. Yeah. Uh, I think the production's really good. Um, yeah, it was a good show. I was actually disappointed. The only song they played was uh, Hell or Hallelujah, and that was it. I love that song. I do, too. And I like I like some of the Gene songs on there, too. And they, that's the only song they played off that okay. album. It's just, that's too bad. And they played Modern Day Delilah off of Sonic Boom, and that was it. And then just your standard classic yeah. kid set. And there was a couple of curveballs. They played War Machine. I wasn't expecting that, so yeah. that was cool. Yeah. Um, That's kind of a staple of their set now. Nowadays, yeah. Which is cool. It's a great set. A lot of Gene songs are staples because Paul can't Paul sing can't anymore. Sing. You know? Yeah. So, actually, I, I, I am, I'm just counting the days from when Gene Simmons announces his solo band coming out here. Yes. I, want to, I would rather see that in Kiss, to be quite honest. See songs like Mr. Make Believe or all, all these weird songs he's playing, you know. Charisma, she's so European. Yeah. She's so European, it's, which he was he was doing uh, over in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Just like last week. And he's been doing Charisma and yeah. um, Love for uh, Sale. Was that? Love for Sale. Love for, really? Got Love for Sale? He's yeah, doing that? He's doing that. Oh shit. And he's done, I think, I think he's done almost human. He has on almost human. They totally. did that on the cruise a few years ago. Yeah. I'd rather hear a solo band doing it. Totally. And he has a really good band. Like yeah. the videos I'm watching. Yeah, they're great. And he does some cool songs off a of solo album. I love his solo album. I, I, the '78 solo album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that, that too. That asshole, I, yeah. I love that. Record. Uh, um, I think as far as solo albums go, his is the most solo album. Like it's just all over the place. It's like a, different kinds of music from each song. Different. Yeah. It's not just a rock album by Paul. So, yeah. I mean, I love Paul's. I love Aces. I, mean, I love Peter's too. For, I mean, for I, what for what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect him for going off and sure, doing that. Sure. I think there's some good songs on that record. So yeah, yeah. I mean, like yeah. If, for the true spirit of doing a solo album, Gene and Paul really went. I mean, Gene and uh, Peter really went out on a limb. You know, right. they took the risks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It showed and, us that Ace. It showed us that Ace could write and could. I mean, that he had it in him. Totally. That record is so solid and so edgy. Not a dull moment. No real surprises with Paul's other than it's just so good. It's totally. So it's solid. exactly what you'd expect from a Paul Stanley yeah. solo album. It's fantastic. <laughs> but Gene's is so weird, and I respect it for that very thing. He's doing he's doing Radioactive, Living in Sin, and one more song with his solo band, uh, See You Tonight. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I, like, I love that song. Love so. that song. I think he might be doing Tunnel of Love, too, but I mean, yeah, just hearing any of those songs of those live songs. would just blow my mind. Yeah. So that's what I'm waiting for, man. Yeah, me too. I saw Ace. Did you go see Ace two I weeks did. ago? I did. Yeah, yeah. What, what, did, you, uh, what did you think of it? I thought it was great. I mean, it's always, you never know. It's always, you never know. he's yeah. on the edge all the time. You don't know if he's going to be able to, you don't know if he's going to blow off the rails, but. I thought it was great, too, but like, on, on, on social media, people were ripping on the show, like, Ah uh, shit! Yeah, yeah. yeah. How'd you get? How'd you uh, score that? I did meet and greet. 
30 seconds. What I wanted from that was for him to sign my Dynasty record, which was the first record I bought at Ceremony. At Musicland? Uh, I bought it at Warehouse. Warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. And so he signed that. It's just a, my old beat to hell copy of that that I bought in 1980. And I got that picture, and I wanted those two things, and I wanted him not to make me upset. And he didn't make me upset. So the whole thing was a success. Um, I never met him before. I've met him a bunch of times. Okay. Uh, 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 but uh, what do I ask you? Oh, so was there a limit to how many things you could get signed? You could have one thing signed. One thing signed, yeah. yeah. So, this is last year, maybe two years ago, uh, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, Kate, just inherited a bunch of money. Like, he inherited a couple of millions of million dollars. And he's been, he's been throwing it around and wasting it. And so he, he goes, hey, Will, man. He lives in L.A. And he goes, Will, Ace Freely is playing... Uh, his first show in a long time. He played in Beverly Hills. It's some weird venue in Beverly Hills with Lisa Ford opening. Okay. A year and a half ago, maybe. Um, and it was, it was after a Space... Was the last album called Spaceman? Or his new one's called Spaceman. Space Invader. Space Invader. It was, it was after Space Invader. But then there was the Origins Volume 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before... Okay. Oh, it was around that time. Okay. It was around that time. And... Uh, he was like, you want to go to the show? It's my treat. I'm like, sure. You know, like he was, and he, he was in the Bay Area, so we, we drove down together to the show. But he got the, the full meet and greet for both of us. We, and that's, you get a Gibson guitar signed by him. It's $500 a person. $500 a guitar. You get the guitar. You no, know, you have to bring your you own, bring your guitar. Your own Gibson. Sign. Yes. Yeah. And he'll yeah. sign yeah. it. Yeah. And so it was $500 a head. And you, and you can only get one guitar signed. So he kind of, he just kind of dragged me along. He was trying to make it sound like he wanted to be generous and take me to an A show, but he really, he was just using me as a, as, as a, as a human sack okay. holding a, okay. another, yeah. another less ball to get him side, for him to sign. Which was his less ball. Yeah, he has two less balls on the wall now with, with the Ace signatures on him. So it was funny. The guy in front of me in line tried to get Ace to sign a pit guard. Um, you know, there was no guitar. Right. And and Ace said, "What's this?" And uh, his handler said, nope. And he won't sign anything having to do with an instrument unless unless you pay for that package. Yeah. yeah. And it's one guitar per person. So, okay. yeah. And you get to go on his bus, and he signs it on his bus. Wow. And, All right. That's cool. It is cool, but like, I mean, I, I've met Ace before that, you know, and I know he's kind of irritable, yeah. and, and it doesn't seem like he likes meeting people no, that much. No. So I, I feel like a total intruder on there, man. Like okay. it wasn't, it wasn't fun, you know. Yeah. We're like, yeah, he's a fun man. <laughs> it was just him sitting on a table, his manager, handler, and they, although I will say they didn't rush us on and off, though. They were, they, they let us take our time. My friend was talking to him more, but uh, yeah, he just he didn't seem very interested. You know? <laughs> That's the experience I didn't want to have. So, you know, I wanted to sit down. I wanted it to be fast. I wanted the picture. Yeah. Um, he looked at me after we took the picture and he said, did you, did you enjoy the show? And I said, yeah. And he said, all right, get home safely. And I said, yeah, you, you too. And I just I, I left as fast as I could. I didn't Before want... Before it got sour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've never met any of them. And I, I, a couple of years ago, I said, you know, like that, that ship has sailed. I don't... I don't ever want to, but then my, my mind changed a little bit, and I said, I, I want to, my opportunities are probably uh, few and far between. Oh, absolutely. So I'm going to do this while I have the means to do it, and, uh, but I want it, I don't want him to upset me. And first, time, first time I met Ace was, 
outside of the Henry J. Kaiser when he played there with Freelance Comet, supporting Y&T. Okay. Did you, did you go that I did trip? not, no. It was Y&T. The whole tour was Ace Freely headlining, except for Bay Area, Y&T headlining. Okay. Their, their home band. Uh, so it was Y&T, Ace Freely, and Faster Pussycat opening. Okay. 87, 88, somewhere. Yeah, exactly. 87, I think. Uh, uh, that's, the fa- that's a famous show uh, because they, they, the Fast and Pussycat talks about that show on Decline of the Western Civilization Part 2. Do you remember that movie, The Metal Years? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a scene where, yeah, where they're all hanging out and they're like, oh, the Bay Area doesn't like us, man. Uh, and they're talking about that show specifically because uh, it was the first time anyone's, like most people there had never seen Ace before, you know? Like, like First time seeing Ace Fury in the flesh ever. So here comes this band, Faster Was again. No one knew who Faster was. Like before the bathroom wall took off, right. and they come on stage looking all cool, glammed out, and take me down, come on stage, like, like holding a microphone, with a martini, and a cigarette in one hand. I'm like, who the fuck is this Dean Martin guy? Like, he was just acting too cool, you know. So. We started throwing, like, a, throwing lighters and throwing whatever we could, man. Everyone got into it, man. Like, people chanting, ace, ace, ace. So, Faster Pussy Guy was on stage for like 15 minutes. And they had to leave because they were getting hit by so much yeah. shit. I remember um, Greg Steele. And the funny thing is, I love Faster Pussy Guy now. I love that first album. It's I great. love it. Fantastic. Yeah. It's, one, it's maybe my favorite glam album, like or okay. rock album. Like, right. I love it. Yeah. And that, now I regret not paying attention to them when they were on stage. Yeah. You know, like I don't even know what songs they played, but I do remember Greg Steele saying like. Come on, man. I'm from the Bay Area. I used to think it was cool up here. And he got hit in the face right after he said, I was like, oh, man, these guys are getting pelted. Because that was right, that was right when, because all the thrash metal kids that were a little bit older grew up with Kiss. Yeah. So they all had that loyalty to Ace. Oh, yeah, dude. And, and they were all going to see Ace. It was packed for Ace Truly, man. That, that place was packed, man. Was that Henry J. Kaiser? Yeah, yeah. And so then we, we watched like, the first three or four Y&T songs. And this is when Y&T went full glam. Right, because that earlier stuff was good. Oh, yeah. Just good. Mean good. Speaking and Black Tiger. Totally, man. And they, they, they just dressed like Van Halen or kind of. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they weren't wearing makeup. And, but yeah, then they put out like Summertime Girls. And then after that, they went full on glam. Like the album Contagious, as it's called. Like their hair was all done yeah, up, and they were wearing like robes and, and right. scarves. And I was like, "Oh man, this sucks. Let's get out of here." <laughs> so my brother and I left. We went and waited, and waited outside of Ace's bus for a while. Okay. Just, and it was sure as shit, Ace came out of the backstage door and just walked. Like, oh my god! And we shook his hand. And it was like the most dead fish, like like this, like a puffy, like, like an alcoholic's hand, yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. with no muscle whatsoever. Yeah. Like, like it was like. <laughs> So that was the first time meeting them, you know? Okay. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you, um, have you seen any other KISS shows ever since the reunion tour? Or? So I saw I saw them three times in the reunion tour. And then well, I what saw was the third one? Uh, I went to Irvine. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, the amphitheater. Uh, was that the same week? No. That oh, was, different late, that was right? November 1st. Okay. So I did those two shows in August and then went down there for the November show. That I had, um, I had like a front row ticket for the Lost Cities tour where they were supposed to come back and in Cal Palace. Cal Palace. Oh, dude, I had tickets to that too. Yeah, I was so upset that I was fucking the front row, huh? Front row, front row, because I knew somebody who worked at uh, Bass or Ticketmaster. Yeah, and she talked to her manager who booked 
who hooked us up. And, and then, and then she wrote a handwritten note, said, "Hey, the show is canceled." Gave it to my friend, gave it to me. So I have you know, like a photo album, like a scrapbook. I've got the ad for the show, and then I've got the note that says, "Hey, this show is canceled." It was because of Peter Chris, right? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he, he was hard to find this show was acting up and they had to just cancel the tour because he was not in good health. I was so bummed, man. It was like, you know, I haven't seen them at the Cow Palace since uh, Asylum, you know? So yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, think the, yeah. I, mean, I love the Cow Palace. I would love to see them there just because of, I mean, they played 77 there. They played night 79. Elvis died. The Night Elvis died. They played 79 there on Dynasty. Oh, they played 77 and 78 yeah, there. Ah, yeah, okay. yeah, so... They have a lot of history there. There's a lot of history there, and I would love to see them there sometime. I doubt that that'll happen, but... So I saw... Yeah, so those... That was canceled. Then I did Dodger Stadium. Then I did the two nights... Then I went to Vegas and saw them at Mandalay Bay. On um, the Psycho Circus Tour? On the Psycho Circus Tour. Who was opening it? No, that? that okay. Was that Psychos? No, that was the farewell. Okay, yeah. That was the beginning of the farewell tour. That was Ted Nugent, right? Yes. Yeah. And then no. Now, Skid Row played. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, Here's a hard trivia question: Who opened the uh, reunion shows uh, at Arco and Taylor uh, Bay? A band that means absolutely nothing now, but they're kind of popular. I, I don't know. Like, I, Stabbing Westward. Stabbing Westward. Okay. <laughs> okay. How the fuck did they get that tour, man? Like, good God! There was a band called Real Big Fish um, that opened that opened the uh, the show I saw in Irvine. Okay. Yeah. I saw them four times on the farewell tour. Um, and I can't remember how all that worked and where everything was. Um, and then I did, and then I saw them open for Aerosmith. Um, oh, that was a live 35 tour, right? Yeah, that was in 2003. They were just doing stuff only for the first three albums, right? No. No, they opened with Detroit Rock City. Okay, but there, there was, around that time they did a Kiss Alive tour, like... Like it was Alive 35. It was like they were, it was a, to commemorate the 35th anniversary of Kiss Alive. They did a tour. I remember they played Shoreline. I didn't go. And people after the show were telling me, you should have went, man. They played like Two Timer and they played a lot of weird shit off of Dress to Kill. And I saw them again uh, in 04 at Concord and Poison opened up. And they were playing, yeah, I think they played um, just one of the deep tracks off of. Off of, was it anything for my baby? Oh, maybe that's it. I can't remember. It was one of the. the I think. It, I, I think. I think that is it. That yeah. is the song they played. Yeah, they yeah. Were, they were pretty good that night. Um, they were not good uh, opening for Aerosmith. Peter was playing, and they were just oh, too slow. Oh, I know, um, dude. I know. And then I didn't see them again until um, I saw them in 2009. That's the last time I've seen them. On Sonic Boom tour. Sonic Boom at. In Oakland. Where? Coliseum? Coliseum. They headlined the Coliseum on Sonic Boom Tour? Yeah, but it was one of those nights. I don't know if you've ever been there when they've done this, but um, they'll hang the, cur- the curtains. And we had, we I didn't have a ticket. I just showed up and, and, and bought from a scalper. Um, and we were you know, way up. And all of those tickets, all those seats were moved down. So oh. it actually worked out pretty well. <laughs> um, and they were pretty, pretty good that night, too. Who, who opened that tour, do you remember? I'm thinking it was Buck Cherry. Oh, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Do you like Sonic Boom? 
I do like it. Um, I do too. I, I, I like Monster better. I, 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 yeah, it's a little heavier. Yeah. But, uh, oh, it's like Kiss Talk. Kiss Talk. <laughs> <laughs> we've been going for 40 minutes, so all we've talked about is Kiss, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I could talk about Kiss all day. <laughs> you, but, yeah, but before we move on, just, yeah. like, okay. have you seen Paul Stanley solo live? I did. I saw, I did not see him in 89. Oh, dude, that's I, the, I, didn't, I didn't see him at the Fillmore. I did see that. And that was great. I heard that he played Magic Touch. He did. I, I would have loved to have seen that. But dude, I saw him at the Omni. Yeah, man, that was badass, yeah, yeah. dude. Like that was the first time I heard uh, Hide Your Heart. He was playing Hide okay. Your Heart. That's right. that pre uh, Hot the Shade. Right. Right before Hot the right. Shade. Right. Yeah, Eric Singer on drums. On drums. Uh, Bob Kulik on yeah. guitar. Yeah. I forget who the bassist was, but it was the whole Kiss family on stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Bob Kulik's part of the Kiss family. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's the reason why I didn't go to, to the Fillmore because he had like the. American Idol band backing him up or it was one of those yeah it was just one of those yeah like, yeah. like hired guns like, yeah. I don't know I don't, I don't like that album that much either it's a little, little too adult either. for me yeah. <laughs> that was a good it was it was, good. It was a good show he sang I do regret good. not going I, I regret a lot of good songs yeah just I had never heard him do Move On or, or oh yeah yeah, yeah, right, yeah a lot of this stuff from the solo record and he the Army, he did I think he did he did every song off his solo album except for the ballads. Right. Uh, you know, like Touch Me, Together While We're Apart, or you know, those songs. He, but he did every, every rocking song off yeah. of his album was, was, was Love there. Chains and, All that shit, yeah. dude. It was awesome, yeah. man. And, of course, tons of Kiss songs. Yeah. Uh, did you go... <laughs> did you go to that Kiss Alive 3 promotion at the Oasis? I did not go to that. I went to it. Did you? But I didn't. Oh man, I didn't. I didn't buy Kiss Alive 3, so I didn't have like the, the voucher to, to get it signed. Yeah. But I knew someone that worked at, at, at the Oasis, so I got in. So I'm just hanging out, and like, oh my god, they're just sitting right there, they're like, like just on the stage, or they're like, like on a table right yeah. there. Oh my fucking god. So I just got in line, like, I, was, I, I grabbed a flyer for some other show or something. I was hoping they were going to sign that, you know? I was in line, like, I, I've never met Paul Stanley. I met Gene Simmons, and, uh, and I went, you know, Bruce Kulick and Eric Singer. I, I never met them, but I, I wasn't really that, that concerned about meeting them. Yeah. But I, 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 I never met Paul Stanley, so I was like, oh man, there he is right there. And he was the first one in line on, on the table. It was Paul, uh, uh, Eric, Bruce, and Gene. And, um, and so I just like, I had this random piece of paper. I'm like, well, I, I, they, had, they haven't kicked me out of the line yet, you know? Like, like everyone had their kiss line three, and they're getting inside. Yeah. And then I walked up, and I was the next one in line, and Paul Staley was just looking right at me, sitting at the table, and the, the security guy was like, where's your voucher? Where, where's your kids line three? I just held up his blouse, like, can I, can, I, can I just get it? Paul, Paul just signed it, he's like, get out of here! They didn't throw me out of the club, but they, 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 they threw me out of line. I'm like, damn, I was so close! I still haven't met him yet. But it was a really fun party, man. They were showing, um, what was the VHS that was coming out at the time? Like, Extreme close-up, or it was either Kiss so, Extreme close-up, or the other one. Extreme close-up was out already. It was. There was the, another one that they were the one, promoting. Yeah. Uh, so they were showing that on a constant loop, okay. and yeah, it was fun. It was a Kiss party, you know. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. Uh, did you go to the Kiss convention here? I did not. I, I didn't just, go to that either. I just couldn't. I didn't have the money. And yeah, hundred bucks, dude. At the time, back then, now it's not like nothing. Like, no, I wouldn't even. 
blanket hat now. Yeah, but I mean, I, me too. I was like, 100 bucks to watch him do an acoustic set. I don't know, I, but I, I, regret, just, I regret not going, yeah. though, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I have friends that went, and everyone says it was amazing, and I really wish that I had had that experience. But Yeah. And it's that kind of thing. It's those regrets now. Like, I didn't go see him at the Stone, either, and I had an opportunity. Oh, I went to that. I went to that. Yeah, that was a stupid choice on my part. So and now... You know, when they come through and I have a chance to sit down with Ace for 30 seconds, I grab them. Absolutely. So I'm doing the vault in December. Oh, you are? I'm going to do that. Yeah, I had a San Francisco ticket, but they moved it to to L.A. Uh, so. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So is that some SR studio? or? They haven't announced where it's going to be yet. Do you at the Stone Show? It was fucking fantastic. And, uh, and it was cool because they didn't oversell that show. Like, there was, it wasn't overly packed, and it was, it was room to move. But the coolest thing about that show was the opening band, dude. They blew me away, and I'm a huge fan of them now. Shooting Gallery, they only put out one album. Okay. Their, their claim to fame is uh, the guitarist is Andy McCoy from Hanoi Rocks. Hanoi Rocks. So that was his band. Okay. And if you ever get a chance to pick that album up, it's hard to find. Okay. Shooting Gallery. Shooting Gallery. But it's good, like, Guns N' Roses style, like, heavy, hard, uh, hard that's rock. stuff. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, um... So did you go to the Gene Simmons book signing on Hay Street? I didn't do that. That's yeah. what that's when I met Gene Simmons. Okay. All right. Oh, dude, <laughs> I, I I've been I've been up all night. Uh, back then I was doing a lot of meth, so I have been high all night on meth, and went to Hay Street and and, and dude, there, there was like there was no security for that thing whatsoever. I mean, there was a line like not even a huge line, like maybe like thirty people outside of Aardvark or wherever a bookstore it was, and all like. He's, he's, he's really in there. It just seems too easy, man. And I'm, I'm still high and shit. I'm with the, I'm with the, this guy Jonathan Fenno. Yeah, yeah. You know who he is. Yeah, I know. So, anyways, he knew I was high too. He goes, "You're high as hell." I go, "Yeah, is that obvious?" He goes, "Gene's gonna know, dude." He goes, "Gene's gonna look right for you." And he was right, dude. Like, he got in. And Gene was right there, and we, we walk up to him, and he, and he goes, and he's standing up. He goes. Hi, I'm Gene Simmons. And he smiles, and he has those eyes, dude. And I went, hi. And I felt so guilty, dude, that I was, I was under the influence. Of, he just, like, stared right through me. He didn't say a word. He, he, didn't, he didn't, like, like, like get, get the hell out of here. He just shook my hand and smiled, but he looked at me for a second. And he, he could tell my eyes are dark all around. Yeah. <laughs> He's got good radar for but that, he, I'm sure. He, he took a picture with me, though. He did? And, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Did he sign something? No, he was only signing the book. Okay. He wasn't even signing Kiss stuff. Okay. Only the book. All right. So, uh, it's yeah, a yeah. terrible book. What? I said it was a terrible book. And I that, think was, that, was, was that his first book? His first one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I have a second one, too, and it's not much better. Yeah, I, I, quit, I quit his books after that. That was a hard one. I liked the other three for, I mean, warts and all, but I really had a hard time with that book. Yeah, Paul's and Aces were my favorites. Yeah. The Peter one, like... He's a little delusional, and so like he when, he, when he talks about, it, he says his name in the same breath as John Bonham's. Get the hell out of here, dude! <laughs> and then he'll, he'll, for half a page, talk about how much he doesn't like somebody, and then at the end, the last sentence is, "But I love him." I yeah, love yeah, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't. You hate that guy. Come on, people. But, um, all right. So that's my last kiss question. Okay. All right. Um, so. Um, you were a KISS fan, you got into all the other stuff. When did you start playing drums? So I played drums when I was 10 years old. Um, 
all my other, my entire family were musicians. Right. So, my, my family like kind of expected me to, to start playing music once the music program, hey, music starts in fifth grade, like the music program. So, they enrolled me right away, you know, and, and I wanted to do it too, because I was just around music all the time. Yeah. Um, How'd you choose drums as your instrument? That's funny, that's a good question. Um, I wanted to play guitar. Like, I, I still want to be a guitar player. Like, I, <laughs> And, and I was like, yeah, I want to play guitar. Like, uh, and that, that wasn't one of the options in, in symphonic school band, you know? Right. And like, they were like, oh, we want to play a clarinet. I'm like, fuck no! Like, I mean, outside of the elder, there's no clarinet on any kiss that I hear. You know? like, or, you know, like, I don't want to play a trombone. I don't see trombones on stage with Dio. Uh, like so, the only instrument that was connected to heavy metal was, was drums. You know, I was like, ah, I guess I'll play drums. I didn't. I wasn't stoked about it for the first couple of years. You know, but I had a knack for it, and, and I became lead snare drum drumist in my all the way up to junior high school and in high school. I was the, the lead drummer in the symphonic band. So, um, so yeah, that's how it, that's how drumming started. I was very 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 reluctant at first. Okay. I wanted to be a lead singer, or I didn't want to be back there. I wanted to be up there. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, and my parents bought me a kit like a, from a garage sale, like a beat up garage sale kit, like when I was probably eleven, like one year later. I was always playing a trap kit. The first song I ever played was Heaven, Heaven's on Fire. First song on drums I ever played was Heaven's wow. on Fire. Okay. I, I, I knew it just from air drumming in my bedroom. Uh -huh. like, pretending where the drums would be. I already had the rhythm down and when to hit what. So it's just having the actual physical things in front of me was kind of a trip, but I already knew what to do. So I really taught myself. I never took a drum lesson. I, I taught myself. To this day? Yeah. Wow, okay. And yeah. would you, did you like play along with Heaven's on Fire? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the animalized live version. Okay. Uh, 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 live on sensory memory, like with the woman's yeah. claws. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess a little faster on that one. Okay. It's a little more rocking. Yeah. And the intro is a little longer. Like Eric does an extra bar of drums. Like, like. Okay. That starts it, off after Paul's thing. Yeah. That starts off with drums. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was the first song I played. Um, and the, that, the first kit was a beat up five piece. Ruther, it's a brand I've never heard of ever since then. You know? <laughs> so, but I remember like a year later, like not too much longer after, my parents bought me a second kit, beat up a garage sale kit, different color. But I had a double bass kit by like my second year of playing trap drums. So I started double bass pretty young. And, and, the, and the first song I played on double bass was the live version of uh, uh, Detroit Rock City from the Animalize video. Because he does triplets, they're like, Peter Chris bounces his stick off the snare and does it with one foot. But Eric Carr does like a more metal version of it. So that was the first song I learned. I had the triplets down. But uh, and also you know, so I'm, I'm left-handed. Okay. So that was a problem at school. Um, by by junior high, like I was in jazz band and like playing a real real trap kit. A nice Ludwig actually, Ludwig Vista like. And. Uh, the other four or five drummers were right-handed, so the kit was set up for a right-hander. And I was like, well, I'm left-handed, you know, like, like the, the teacher was like, it's too much work to, I, I agree with her now. At the time, I thought she, she, was, she sucked, but I can see her point, like, to rearrange the kit just for me to, to, to play like that, and then the other four students take it back. So she's like, you're gonna have to learn how to play right-handed. And I was like, 
I don't want to do that. So I learned. I taught myself how to play open-handed. Okay. So I play. I play. I play on a right-handed drum set. But I play open-handed left. But my fills are right-handed. And that continues. I play with game. my right foot. Yeah. Okay. It's all. It's a big mess. Okay. <laughs> it's a big mess. Right. And, and and people ask me like, what hand do I, I lead off with when I do a fill? And, and I go, I don't know because sometimes it's my right hand and sometimes it's my left hand. Like I have no technique at all. Man. It's completely like just going for it. <laughs> from the from the gut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's worked for you. Yeah, yeah. No complaints. <laughs> um, and my first show I ever played, I played a bunch of house parties. My first band was called Armament. Armament. Like, like, like the growing up in Dilly City, you know, like it's predominantly Filipino community. Yeah. And a lot of them are directly from the Philippines, so they have a thick accent. And like, it's hard enough for, for me to say Armament, but like they would be like, Army men or, or ornament? Like so they like we were called ornament or army men or like like they know anything but armament. They, they know. Whatever worked. Ted was Ted from Death Angel was in that band too. Okay. We went to high school together. Okay. We met in high school. Okay. That's a good story too. But uh so that was his and mine's first band. Okay. Um you guys went on. So and did Brood together and uh yeah yeah, we, we played Warfare together DC. and War- oh yeah, the Warfare DC, that was the biggest one of the three. And Ted's brother was in that with you also, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you meet Ted? That's such a good story. So uh I was late to class, it was freshman year, and I was running down the hallway and I saw this Filipino dude wearing a Don't Break the Oath t-shirt. Okay. And he was kind of running the other way. And I'd never seen him before, it was his first day. I went, Hey, 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 dude, hey, dude, that's a fucking badass shirt. And that's how we met. That, that was it. Yeah, yeah, then we both ran off. And then we saw each other later on that day and just started talking metal. And, that's how it works. And he, he's like, yeah, I play guitar. And so we started jamming. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my first official show was at a place called the Pony Express. Sure. Yeah, you know that Pizza. place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and the line of the bill was, uh, uh, we opened the support band with a band called Oh, Apathy. Okay. They're from San Mateo. And the headliners were uh, either Bacchus or, or Demented. Okay. Do you remember those bands? I sure. Both yeah, of yeah. them, yeah. It was either, I think it was Bacchus headline. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so that was our first show. That was in 1988. Okay. Yeah. This, and this is Armament. Armament, yeah. And we played the Pony Express. Okay. And then we played a, a lot of shows at, uh, at the Army. We never played the Stonings until our last, very last gig, but we, we played the Omni a bunch and the Pony Express a bunch. We were only around for like a year, but the, that band turned into Warfare DC. Okay. Like, like the band, Armament disbanded, and Ted and I kept jamming, and we were like, yeah, my brother, my brother's a bass player, and so yeah, that's how Warfare, Warfare was much, a much better band. Armament was real sloppy and kind of punk rocky, and okay. Warfare was definitely focused on thrash metal, you know. That's trying to sound like violence. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're trying to sound like violence. Yeah. And didn't Sean produce the first demo? First yeah. demo. Yeah. yeah, first real demo. Yeah. How was working with him? Oh, super cool, man. This, what year was that? Nineteen ninety. Ninety. Okay. Uh, it was right, right when Oppressing the Masses came okay. out. Okay. All right. And uh, dude, he went way beyond the call of duty for us, man. On the way there, we were in two separate vehicles. This is, okay, this is, the, 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 the people involved in this story, it's funny how, how everyone's lives panned out. Uh, but uh, I was in a pickup truck with my drums in the back, and the person driving the pickup truck was Lo- Logan Mater. You know who that, you know that name? 
from uh, uh, Machine Head. Yeah. Years later. Yeah. 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 So he was a, he was a roadie for Warfare DC. Okay. Yeah. He would, if I sat if I sat right down in front of him, he'd probably like want to punch me. He doesn't want anyone to know he was ever a roadie for anyone. He'd always been a rock star. He'd always been a rock star. But no, he was a roadie for a lonely warfare DC. Lonely warfare. <laughs> Anyways, lonely warfare. So we're driving out to we recorded Fairfield or somewhere like uh, it's just the same studio where Sean produced the Chaos demo. And a couple other bands. He did a couple other bands. Maybe like Infernal Forces. Uh, but uh uh, we're going to the studio, and so I'm in the truck with Logan, and Ted and his brother are, are in a car with all their gear packed in the car. They get into a car accident on the way to the studio, and so they're just stranded on the highway. I get to the studio, and it's hours are passing, and Sean, Sean's like, where are your boys, man? Like, like I mean, I, I, I have other things to do, you know? Like, I don't have to sit around here. I was like, I know, because like, like, we he was doing this for free. I mean, we paid for the recording time, but just, you know, him helping us out and having his name on the tape, that helped out a lot. And he didn't ask for any money or nothing. So I was like, dude, like, this was before cell phones, so I'm like, I have no idea. Finally, someone calls the studio, and it's them, and they're like, yeah, we got to do a Fender Panther, man. Like, and the, the, the car is being hauled off, and all our gear is on the side of the road, you know? Like, oh, dude, so Sean drove, picked them up, Came back to the studio, we tracked, we had no way of getting back home because our car was, was still in the shop or whatever. So he let us stay at his house overnight. He cooked spaghetti for us. I mean, dude, I couldn't believe it, man. Like, he went way beyond what he was supposed to do. So, yeah, it was great working with him, man. Yeah. <laughs> and Ted's uh, amp got fucked up in the car accident. It wasn't working properly. So we borrowed, we borrowed. His guitar got fucked up too. I think Ted played Phil Devil's guitar and Rob Flynn's amp. I mean, I mean, like, and I was shocked kill that woman. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. Call me when you guys have your shit together, man. Like, <laughs> so it, it was great, man. It was great. That's awesome. At that time, you know, were you going to a lot of thrash shows? Oh yeah, yeah. fucking Sean. Yeah, Sean knew me already. Like, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So you were. I mean, I'm sure we went to a lot of the same. Totally. The Stone and Nami. Would you ever see Warfare DC? I never. I don't think so. I don't think I did. Like, we, played, we played at some big shows. The biggest show we played at the Omni was, and we had no business being on this bill, was Death, Pestilence, and Carcass. I was talking to somebody about that show yesterday. Uh, oh, yeah? So it's a, a friend of mine who I knew from high school. Um, he was talking about he just saw a flyer because I told him I was going to talk to you today. Badass flyer. And he saw a flyer and he said, I think that they played on that. And yeah. So I was going to ask you about that. And yeah, I, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was way into death metal already. Like, that's when I was switching from thrash to death metal. So yeah. I was like, we got to play this show, man. Like, and of course, Ted Robbins heard of uh, death, you know, but Carcass, especially Carcass, that was Carcass's first US tour, so they were pretty underground still. That was like uh, Symphonies era. Uh, set the second album, uh, so, yeah, Symphonies yeah, of Sickness, yeah. yeah. And uh, Pestilence was touring for Consuming Impulse. So was Martin Van Drunen on that? Uh, with uh, Pestilence? Pestilence? Yes, was I believe. Okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, so yeah, there was no way we were going to turn the show down. I mean, we, yeah, there was, there, was, there, was, there was already like local death metal bands. I think even Exhumed was already around okay. at, that, at that point. And uh, but yeah, I was like, fuck it, we're going to take this show, you know, and play it. And it was, that was the biggest show we played in the Omni. At the Stone, we played some good shows. We supported Prong on the uh, Prove You Wrong tour. Okay. 
and oh, so we, we played with we, we supported played with violence in the organization at the One Step Beyond. That was a big show, really big show. I uh, might have seen that. I might have been there for that. At the One Step Beyond, we also played with. This is a weird lineup. You know, it was only it was three band bill, Forbidden Sleep and Warfare DC. I did not That's see weird. that because I never saw Sleep at One Step. Okay. Yeah. That's a weird bill. That's I, a I, weird bill. I already knew about Sleep. You yeah. know, like, oh, it's like, it's like a new wave, you know, like the Stoner Savage yeah. stuff. But it was just a mismatched bill, That's you know? That's a very weird bill. Yeah. And I remember fucking the drummer, Chris, Chris Hikes. Yeah. I didn't know him at the time. I had never seen Sleep. I knew they were like a Sabbath like worship yeah. band. But I remember like, before the show, he goes, hey, man, like, he goes, I, I don't have a ride symbol or, or his ride symbol's cracked or whatever. He's like, can I borrow your ride symbol for the set? I don't use it that much. I'm like, okay. The fucking liar, man. The entire set was, all he did was play Ryan Civil. I'm like, you fucking asshole, man. Did he give it back to you <laughs> yeah, in good shape? And it wasn't cracked or nothing, so right. the story ends okay. Yeah. But I was watching the show like, oh, 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 oh. Like, yeah. <laughs> let that go. Uh, that's hilarious. This yeah, is almost, yeah. Is that your first experience with sleep? Yes. Okay. Yes, All right. yes, yes. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. And Warfare was like the house band at Morty's. We played Morty's a lot. Okay. Remember? And I had been to Morty's too, so I may have seen you there too. We always played with Wrecking Machine. Wrecking Machine was like our I best friend. I remember Wrecking Machine. Us and Wrecking Machine played together yeah, okay. all the time. All the time. <laughs> and we got drinking all the time, and we, we, we were troublemakers. Those two, us two bands together were troublemakers. <laughs> so when the, like when the thrash scene kind of started to wind down around, oh, yeah. you know, around, I mean, that happened pretty fast. Oh, I mean, dude. Our, you know, Death Angel, really when, I mean, when Phil, I mean, when uh, Rob left violence, Violence really kind of changed and seemed to be kind of on a downward trajectory. Their draw completely dwindled immediately. It immediately. immediately. Yeah, and you know, and Death Angel with the accident, and then, uh, and and that was kind of the end of that. And you know, just all of those bands kind of started to to fizzle. Um, and also, these bands weren't touring anymore. They right. they weren't getting tours, so they were playing the Bay Area too much. I mean, yeah. Violence was was playing like. A, Every month at one of the three clubs, you know, right, it's just right. like another violent show. I mean, violence is my favorite barrier thrash band, right? During Eternal Nightmare, like that yeah. era of violence is my favorite era of barrier thrash. Yeah, mine too. But even after a while, I was like, ah, I just saw violence last month, you know. So it started started hurting the, the, their draw, you know, because they weren't touring or, or yeah. doing other things, so they had to keep on playing, right? To keep their name out there and to make money, probably. And that overplaying definitely was a was a factor. Along with you know just the changing tides of, of the music business, yeah. And, and, um, but yeah, oh yeah, dude, and Forbidden too. Like the draw, their draw was dwindling massively. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, they continued to put out solid material. I mean, for longer than most of the other bands did. Yeah, yeah, they, they put out two more real albums. So how did you deal with that when, when tastes started to change, when the momentum started to to it sputter? It sucked, up? dude. I mean. Yeah. There was nothing to do and, and nowhere to play for, for a while, man. Like, you know what club really saved the scene? is the Berkeley Square. Okay, right. That place really took off after, maybe it was around when the three, three big clubs were still open. 
violin went there a couple times and once the Omni and Stone closed, yeah. Berkeley Square was getting all the tours, Cannibal, yeah. uh, whoever, Voivod, a, a Carcass, everyone. Carcass, yeah. dude, so like, yeah, I was going to Berkeley Square, all, yeah, I saw it in tune there, yeah. I was going to Berkeley Square all the fucking time, so I think that club really, really, really helped to keep things alive, you know, you're right. and, um, and once the thrashing totally died, Death Metal was, was, was coming up, you know, right. like, and so I just said, fuck it. Like, and I was already way into death metal. So once Warfare broke up, I was like, okay, well, this next thing's going to be a death metal thing. So I, I want to play death metal. And Ted was down for that. Me and Ted were really into the first Fear Factory album. That's the only death metal the album. Right. And it's total death metal. There's blast beats and shit. You know? so I love that first Fear Factory. So we, we formed a band called Brood. And we... we Pretty, pretty much based the entire existence of that band off of the first Fear Factory album. So I and we started playing the Berkeley Square and stuff. I don't think I heard Brood. Um, did it have like that, those electronic sort of industrial elements to it that Fear Factory had? had? samples and yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, like we saw like a mixture of Napalm and, and, and Fear Factory. Like, okay. and, and, and I had a head mic. I did I did most of the death metal like vocals. So I, I was playing in... in, in and, uh, yeah, we had samples and and just like kind of like disco-y or, or, or more d- dancey kind of beats under brutal riffs, you know, yeah. like kind of how the first Fear Factory is. Right. So yeah, it definitely had more of a industrial '90s flair to it, I right. guess. But we played Berkeley Square, like the only only two places to play. We played. We played Berkeley Square a bunch, and we played the On Broadway. Okay. Remember that, 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 Broadway, that reopened? Yeah. Yeah. I, I never went to the original On Broadway, but everyone said it was great. But I didn't really like the the second on Broadway, the place was too huge, man. Big, yeah. It, it, like, I saw Punch and Stench of Brutal Truth there, and, you know, there was like 300 people there, but there might, there might as well have been three people there. Like, it was just so spread out, you know? Right, right. I saw Fear Factory there, in fact. So did I. Okay. We fought tooth and nail to get on that bill, and, and, and we did. <laughs> Brood, yeah. Yeah, okay, all right. So, um, and then, and yeah. then, Old Granddad came along, and right. that's when everything changed. Okay. Yeah. I did. And you guys, your Old Granddad was doing something substantially different from all of that. Absolutely. And and in fact, I mean, a, a little bit of a little bit ahead of your time. I mean, totally, dude. There wasn't a lot of that kind of stuff going on at that point. I no one was doing bluesy, stonery, death metally stuff. Right. Like, except for maybe in tune. And too, like, like we were influenced by Wolverine Blues, and, and, and but yeah, there was no stoner scene or doom scene right, or, or anything point. like that. No. I, do you see Wolverine Blues? Do you see tunes on Wolverine Blues at Berkeley Square? At the Hayes Theater in front of like 30 people? No, at Berkeley Square on, on Wolverine Blues. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it's, I did go to that. That, that was, was awesome. Insane. And then they came back for, uh, they, they played the Hayes Theater. Okay. Remember that place? I don't. Oh, dude, it was, it was only open for a year. Okay, yeah. Uh, I saw some, some good shows there. I saw Entombed Epidemic. That was Epidemic's last show. Okay, wow. Okay. And, and Old Granddad had already, had already formed. And we, we, we were, Eric was jamming with Old Granddad while he was making uh, Exit Paradise, the second Epidemic okay. album. Yeah. Um, yeah, Epidemic, that was our last show. They supported Entombed at the Hayes Theater. And that place was pretty big, too. It was like 400, 500. There were like 30 people there, man. Like, this is totally a sign of the, of the Bay Area yeah. scene. Like, right, uh, right. But I saw some interesting shows there. I saw Sleep in the Roses there. That, that was a, a heavy, that was packed. That was a heavy show. I think I saw Forbidden there, too. But uh, 
Um, when Wolverine, uh, when Tube came back to, for that, I don't think it was for Wolverine Blues, though. It was for the album after. Um, shoot straight and ride, right, shoot straight. Yeah, 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 truth. yeah, yeah. That's when they were kind of falling apart too. Like, like the drummer was about to quit. Right. They so, were never the same after that. That's a good record, though. I agree. They were never the same after Wolverine Blues. They were never the same, but. But yeah, like there was no stoner dooley scene, right. you know, when we were playing. That's, I think that's why people took notice to us because right. we, right. we, we, we didn't sound like a, a washed-up thrash band. We were yeah. totally different. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you guys played around a lot. Yeah, we were playing. At one point, we were playing like three shows a week. Shows a week. Yeah. We would, we would open for Merciful Fate, the Maritime Hall, then play the, the Chameleon, and then, then maybe play. Uh, I don't know uh, some some show in Concord at, at, at uh, Lindy's or something like that. Yeah. But like yeah, we, we, it's crazy. Like I remember, I remember that week we, we over reversal fate like one of the biggest shows of our lives. And like a three days later, we're playing at, at the CW on a, like a Tuesday right. night right. or something. Right. It's still a great show, but yeah. it's a totally different vibe, you know. So that was a pretty exciting time, and we got a lot of good shows back then. Like like we, we opened for suffocation like three different times. You know, like it's good, it's good fun times, good times. I think. Granddad generated a bit of a buzz, but didn't really meet its full fruition. Yeah, yeah, and that's why we're, that's why we're that's why we're doing it again. Giving it <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why, man. You know, sick. I think of it. Like, all three of us are sick of hearing like, "How come you guys weren't bigger? Or you right. guys should have been bigger? Right. Like, right. you guys were big in San Francisco, but that's our own fault that we never toured and." All we cared about was about being a big fish in a big pond, which we were for a while, but we can only do that for so long, you know? Like, and we didn't branch out at all. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. the furthest we played was L.A. Uh, so do you think it might be a little bit different this time? Yeah, we're definitely uh, going to try to, like, submit ourselves for, like, festivals in Europe and do, doing something yeah. besides playing playing here, you know? Yeah. Maybe not doing a full-on tour. Uh, it'd be kind of hard for me with Death Angel right. so busy and stuff. And Eric's busy with Ariel Ruin, you know? Right. But we're definitely going to try to play outward. We're definitely going to try to play New York or places we never played, you know? For sure. But uh, I, I wanted to bring up one funny show. Uh, I just, just popped in my head. We opened for Grip, Grip Incorporated. Remember Grip Inc.? With David Bar. David Bar was there. Yeah, and that, that British guy with the... the <laughs> fucking guy. This yeah. guy. This guy. <laughs> he, uh... We, we actually played right before gripping, and then when, when they get on stage, the singer goes, "Oh, Rod, are, are you guys, are you guys done hearing that hippie shit?" And I was like, "Oh, he's talking shit about it. Like that's how we start this show, talking shit about it." I was like, "Okay, just keep talking shit about it. They give us more attention." I hate it, like Grip Incorporated. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, man. So uh, they were so stupid. And you know, old granddad started in '94, and then we broke up in 2000. You know, there's just yeah, drug problems all, all all over the place. But actually, both times we broke up was because of just drug problems. <laughs> uh, uh, and then yeah, then we reformed in like 2002 and put out our fourth album, Hocus Corpus, and. and and my meth problem was out of control at that point in my life, and the band had to end again. Like, like my behavior was, was just—I'm surprised they put up with me for as long as they did. Right, right. But uh, so it sucks because Hocus Corpus is a great album and it's our best album. 
until uh, today, and it never got a chance to, to take off. Like we only played like maybe three shows. We played our record release show and maybe two more shows after the album came out. And then within three months of it being released, we were broken up. Like and our, and our producer, like who's gonna produce our next album? Guy Higby from from Epidemic. Oh yeah. He was furious, like, because we put a lot of time and money into making that album, you know, and I don't blame him, you know, but... What year was, what year was this? Nine, uh, 2005. Okay. But, yeah, but, uh, you know, enough, enough time has passed, and the, and the, the wounds are healed, and guys ready to, to give it a go at this. And he lives up in Portland now, as well, along with Eric living yeah. up there, so we're going to record up there. Uh, his studio. And who knows? I mean, it could be that, uh, that that the world has kind of caught up to what you guys were doing. I mean, look what, you know, sleep being a case in point. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. You know, it's, dude, they're huge oh now, God, man. Right? And I've told this, I mean, I, I, I've talked about this a million times, but, you know, I saw them so many times back in the early 90s. Yeah. I mean, it was literally, what do you want to do? And I don't know, what else? And it, it wasn't super packed or super oh, huge, right? Yeah. You just, and it would be a last minute thing. You go see sleep and, and now it's, you know, $50 a ticket. They're selling out, you know, the Fox or the, the Warfield. I saw him, I saw him at Hellfest uh, in France two years ago. They were playing it in a tent. Like maybe like thirty thousand people. 30, <laughs> See, yeah, like, yeah. yeah like, holy it's shit. fantastic. I'm so happy for them. It's just such a weird thing. So it could, and, and I think it's just again they were they were ahead of their time, ahead of what people were into. And I think the same thing. Here's an example about of how old Granite was ahead of the time. High on Fire's first three shows in San Francisco were opening for us. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's like that's how ahead you were and how things have changed. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, one of those three shows was a really, really fun show at the Maritime Hall. Old Granddad played Maritime Hall a lot. They, they liked this set. It's DRI, Old Granddad, three bands, and High on Fire open. Yeah. I, oh. the, the three bands were like Cell Block 5 and two other punk rock bands that didn't really admit, amount to anything. And High on Fire opening, man. That's, that's pretty crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about uh, how the whole thing with Hammers started for you, Hammers and Misfortune. That's a, a, an old granddad connection too, because because uh, Max from Old Granddad, the bassist for Old Granddad, yeah. he was in Hammer's Misfortune okay. uh, for like four or five years, and their their, their longtime drummer Chewy uh, decided he, he wanted to retire from that band, and they had a tour they had a tour booked. This is like in 2010 or 11, and uh, they had a tour booked in. Um, they, they they asked Max so like, you know, I was already in Death Angel by the time. Okay. And I was touring a lot, so they were like, hey, dude, this Will tours a lot. If he's available, do you think you want to do a tour with us? And I was like, fuck yeah, because I never toured with Max before. I was like, that's the main reason why I did it. I was like, oh, two weeks on the run with Max, that'll be a, a lot of fun. And so that's how it happened. Uh, we toured with uh, Gates of Slumber. Okay. Really cool doom band. Yeah. Not around anymore, but... Uh, uh, One guy died. Two guys are dead oh, now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's how that happened. And then after the tour, uh, John Cobbett, after that tour, Max quit. And I was like, well, what the fuck? I mean, I, actually, that's not how it worked. After the tour, John was like, well, do you want to you join the band? Like, and record the next album? I'm like, sure. And then Max quits, like, the next week. I'm like, well, dude, I, I mean, I thought you were going to be a part of this, you know? Uh, but I, I, I stayed on, and I'm, and I'm glad I did. So was that, uh, like, 17th Street? No, that was Max's first album. That was Max's album. That was. Uh, but I was, I was. We were touring for 17th Street. Okay. Yes, All we right. were touring for 17th Street. 
And then, so yeah. So you were on the next one. Yeah, Dead Revolution. Right. Which is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. And, and now, now John and Sigrid live in Montana. Montana, right. But we've still, we've still done some shows since they've moved out there. Like, we played at the Co- Coven. I saw you at, uh, at, at the Coven uh, show. At the Great American. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, so that's not really too much of a hindrance for the band. The band didn't play that often to begin with, you know. But uh, as far as I know, John's, I mean, it takes John a couple years to make a Hammers album. Yeah. Yeah. Those are pretty involved things, you know. But I think he's, as far as I know, he's working on a new one, and I'm, I'm going to be a part of it for sure. Right, right. So, uh, so let's talk about Death Angel. Okay. I'm very interested in how um, that all uh, unfolded for you, how that, how that um, transpired. I just think Ted, Ted started giving me uh, little, little like this updates, little warnings, kind of like things aren't working out with Andy, and and he doesn't like the tour anymore, and, and just you know they're, they're just they're budding heads, you know. Uh, Mark and Andy and Rob and Andy were all buddy heads, so he just kept, I, I, now, now that I think back, I'm like, ah, he was kind of prepping me, but at the time, I was just like, why did you keep on telling me about Andy? Like, I was like, well, that sucks, you know, and, and the next thing you know, like, uh, he, uh, Andy's like, dude, or Ted's like, dude, Andy quit. I was like, oh, I was like, wow. And, and that was it, though. Ted didn't ask me if I wanted to jam with Death Angel, he just said, Andy quit. And I went to a show at the, at the Regency Theater, and Mark was there, and Mark... Whatever band we're watching, Mark goes, you can do that, huh? Like, like some band doing double bass or whatever. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, you probably know all our songs by heart already, huh? And I go, at least the first three albums, I know every single song by heart, yes. I do have a pretty photographic memory when it comes to music. That's why I'm in so many bands and I can work with so many people. Um, and uh, I was like, yeah. I was like, I, I don't know any, every song off the first three albums by heart. And then next, like, like two days later, uh, Ted told me, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give your email to Mark." Is that okay? And I knew, I knew what that meant. I was like, "Oh yeah, sure." And then I think it was Mark who emailed me. He was like, "Hey, you, you want to come and jam with us at our studio?" And I was like, "Sure." And I showed up. We jammed for like two hours, and I was, I never stopped playing with them. They didn't, they didn't even try anyone else out. There was, wow. a, there was a lot of pissed off people. A lot of, yeah. a lot of drummers in the Bay Area were pissed off. Like, why, why is he so special? Or why, 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 why did he get the gig? Like, they didn't even give me a shot or whatever. And the funny thing is that everyone thinks Ted's the one that got me in the band because of our history and right. going there. But Mark's the one who suggested me initially and, and said, I, I want Will Carroll. And like, I already talked to him. And, and so, yeah, so we jammed. And, and were you guys, I mean, were you guys old friends, you and Mark? I knew Mark for, for many years, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not super tight, but right. I mean, I see him all the time. Hey, what's up, yeah. what's up? Right, okay. But uh, I didn't know, I never met Rob before in my life. Oh, never. It's, it's okay. funny thing is, like, Rob does interviews to, to this day and says, oh, yeah, I know, we, we, I knew Will back in the day, and we were always like, like, dude, I never met you. <laughs> yes, it's true, we've been at a million of the same parties, and you're standing right here, and I'm standing right here, but we never interacted, we never shared a joint or circle, nothing, dude. We, we, we've been to the same shows a million times, I've seen the organization Dead Day go a million times. He's even been to one of your DC shows, you know, like, but we've never met. Never like, and he, he's, he still doesn't believe me. He's like, I don't believe that. I go, dude, I'm telling you, man. But he can't come up with one real instance. Yeah, yeah. He's the only guy in Death Angel I didn't know, you know? Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, um... Uh, was, so was Ted tight with those guys from way back then? No. 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 Okay. He didn't really know them either. But when the organizations started, yeah. Ted became their roadie. 
Okay. So that that that's that's how he got tight with okay. Rob and uh okay. and Andy, I guess, and Dennis. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, he was he was he was really into that. But when, when it was Death Angel, he didn't know him. Okay. Yeah, not really. And it's you know it's it's interesting because other than Testament, well, I mean, I guess Exodus too, but um, Death Angel was like when they announced the Thrash of the Titans show. Um, Death Angel was like the one band that was kind of like I don't know and then when they came did you go to that? Oh you went to that of course I was supposed to play it man oh. that's the story I, I used to I played in Laws Rock and off and on here, here and there like, yeah. like a couple of shows here and there but uh, they were on the bill originally I got all the posters for, for uh, Thrash and Titans and the t-shirts it says Laws Rock okay. yeah. and so Scott Sargent he was in Laws Rock he was in Wrecking Machine too and He's got to produce Exit Paradise by Epidemic. It's all connected. Anyways, he called me up and he's like, he's like, hey man, you want to you want to jam with Lost Rocket at the Dance of Titans? I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, you're crazy. I want to be a part of that thing. Hell yeah. So Scott, me, Scott, and the the bassist. I think it was John Torres at the time. Um, we were rehearsing at my studio and we were, we were getting our shit together and rehearsing individually. And it was only like a six song set, you know, it was like a mini set. So like, I had all the songs down, ready to go, ready to go, but we hadn't jammed with the two uh, official, real members, Aaron Jellum and Mike Coons. And I was like, like whoa, are, are we all gonna rehearse as a band before this thing? I mean, we probably should. It was either two weeks or the week, I mean, it was, it was like less than two weeks before Oh, no, two weeks before Thrash the Titans, Mike Coons decides to, to go clean and sober, and, and he found God. And, and he did, didn't want to combination. He didn't want to do the show anymore. He didn't want to be involved with it. Went, he couldn't have been a drunk for two more weeks. You know, like, he couldn't have been a heathen for two more weeks. I mean, oh, I was so mad. I actually still to this day, I don't forgive him for really? that, man. Okay. All right. So they got, they got Flotsam and Jetsam at the last right. minute. Right. Who were amazing. They were awesome at that show. But uh, yeah, I mean, but all the posters still say Laws okay. Rocket. The right. shirt stays still Laws Rocket. Oh, man. So, wow. but yeah, I was there. Yeah. I was bitter, bitterly there. Okay. <laughs> well, I remember Death Angel that night. They came out of that afternoon. And, yeah. you know, Mark said something like, let's get this over with. And he came out, you know, he had the top hat on and everything. Someone called him a pretty boy. And, yeah. Um, they just, it didn't feel like. It felt like they were pretty ambivalent about it, and then I think it went over so well that that kind of kickstarted them. And this is just my perspective. You're absolutely you know? right. Um, but it's really interesting now, all these years later, because that was that was 17 years ago. Yeah. That I mean, they've been around now twice as long as they were initially. Yeah. And they put out maybe twice as many records. Is yes. there six or five records? It's five. Six, I'm recording the sixth one in three weeks. Okay. All right. Um, and it's and there's also a live album and a DVD. Right. I, they've been a lot more prolific this yeah. time around yeah. than, than, especially since I've joined. Even when they first reformed, they felt Art of Dying like in 2003 or four, and then, then, then again there was yeah. another long gap. Like, right. Uh, Killing Season didn't come out until 2008. Right. It was like a four-year gap. Yeah. yeah. Maybe almost five years. It was a long gap, you know. But it's, and that's one of the reasons why. Like Andy wasn't working out because I don't think he wanted to tour. They wanted to tour yeah. more. So I, I came in, and since I've joined the band, they've toured way more than they, that they've that ever toured in their entire career. You know, like we're on the road a lot now, and we try to put out an album every two and a half years. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we're a lot more busy now than they were originally back in the 80s. Now how is it? How is it for you to. I mean, how does it feel? How did it feel to join 
how does it feel now to be able to spend? I, I mean, are you like, do you have a day job or is this this? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But yeah. I think those touring a lot. I don't have to. I don't have to work, you know, because. I get paid pretty well on the road, and, and I'm on the road a lot, whatever. But so you guys are uh, playing, you're, you're playing big places. Um, it seems like things are bigger now than maybe they ever were for Death Angel. Probably. How, I mean, how how does how does that feel to be a part of that? It, it, it feels awesome because I, I I feel like when Damien and I joined the band, it was like a new stage of Death Angel, and, and yeah. it was like that Death Angel and this Death Angel, and this Death Angel is doing pretty. Pretty good, you know. So it, it feels good, you know. I mean, everyone is, is a lot older now, and there are probably families and kids and those and wives and things for some of those guys, and so all of that has to be balanced very carefully. Absolutely. Absolutely. Somehow you guys are able to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, so we go back to the original question about, about working. So yeah, like we're not touring a bunch. Like I guess here we haven't toured that much because we're, we're writing a new album and we're gonna, I'm going to be recording in like three weeks or two weeks. Um, so yeah, I I temp at a at a men's grooming warehouse. Okay. Yeah, it's like a it's, a, it's right right down the street actually. It's just it's shipping and receiving stuff and okay. and just beard oils and, and shaving kits and <laughs> shit like that. Yeah. And that's but, there for you when you yeah. When you need it. And they're Death Angel fans. Okay. Nice. When, when I the first day I tipped there, these two guys kept on looking at me and talking and looking. What the fuck are these guys' problems? And then the next day, the next day they came in with Death Angel stuff to be signed. I went, oh wow! I was like, like you're Will Carroll, like, like. And so I signed the stuff. So I knew I'd be okay there. And I was like, hey guys, I gotta be gone for, been gone for a month, you know. All right, well, we'll see you when you get back. So it's a good situation. A good situation. <laughs> do you have any? Do you do you have any creative input? Uh, into the band, do you? Do no, on paper. <laughs> but yeah, man. Uh, Rob and I pretty much craft the music together. Okay, like, it's just right. him and I. It's, it's like I'm doing this a fourth time around now, and it's been the same process for every album. Okay. Just Rob and I make the demos. Okay. He uh, he writes all the riffs to a click track or to a drum machine. He sends them to me, and then. We'll either get together and jam on them, and I've, I'm always like altering the songs, like, like make this part sound a little more evil, like drop to a minor right there, or just do this part two more times. Or, so I'm, I'm altering, like he writes the songs, but I definitely tweak them a lot, you know. And I, and I alter riffs, you know. Like this time around is really interesting. Like I, most of the songs we haven't even jammed on. Like Rob just sends me a, a, a demo of a click track and a guitar riff, and I'll, I'll go to my studio at Secret down down here, and uh, okay. we rehearse by Open Coliseum. Okay. It's a long way to go for me, so I have my own studio in the city, so I'll go there and work on stuff, and then present it to Rob. And uh, yeah, this time is really fun though. Like he just, we go to the studio, he just sits at his laptop and put my headphones on in the click track, and I and I. Just, different beats to different riffs and we see what works the best and instead of him jamming with me like he, he's already laid down the guitar so but it's been really fun you know like just piecing together the drum beats and stuff and I'm done I, I finished my demos uh, last week last Wednesday uh, 11 songs okay so I fly out to Florida we're recording the same place for the last three albums yeah. Audio Hammer with Jason Sukoff I fly out uh, September 21st or something okay so you're enjoying it yeah totally I mean like I was 
Let's see. I've been in the band. Next next summer is 10, 10 years. Yeah. So I'm 45. So I, I, jo I joined it when I was 36. Like, not a lot of musicians get a chance to to, to do their biggest thing or, or, or right. their most successful thing right. when they're 36. Right. You know. Right. Right. So I, I'm not I'm not taking it for granted at yeah. all. Hell no. Yeah. 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 And I think that's kind of why I was asking what it was like it's just because it, it's an unusual situation and for you totally, you've dude. grown up going to see that band and being a fan of that band absolutely and, you know just a strange way yeah it all it all kind of I remember around. I remember buying I remember buying a Celtic Frost Cold Lake yeah an album I love <laughs> but the, you know the, the back cover is pretty horrendous yeah. you know and I remember it was either Rob or Dennis. They both worked at Tower Records, uh, 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 down in San Mateo, the Tower Records. Oh, yeah. 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 Or maybe it was one on Bay Street. I can't remember, but I, it was one of those two guys. I was like, oh, shit, that's the guy from Death Angel. And, and I, I had Cold Lake, and I was like kind of embarrassed because <laughs> of the back yeah. picture, you know? Right, right. And I was like hoping, I was hoping they wouldn't flip it over, you know? That's the first thing they did. They were like, oh, Celtic Frost. Like, they do the Celtic Frost. Or I say Celtic Frost. Right. And, and, they, and I remember, I think it was Dennis. He just looked at the cover and just kind of glanced up at me. And went, <laughs> and, 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 and ring it up. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> you stood by that. I stood by you it, man. I that. stood yeah. by it. Yeah, yeah. No, there are some moments on that record that are, that are pretty good. Totally. That was, that was a, a shocker when it came out, and that's a funny story. I had to do some shameless self-promotion right now. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I had to leave, I can tell you, is because I do a radio show for, uh, for a thing called Gimme Radio. Okay. Have you heard of that? No. It's a 24-hour free uh, heavy metal radio station. Okay. And uh, to give you an example, like I'm, a, I'm lower on the pole compared to totem pole compared to these guys, but the other DJs are David Stain. He has a show. Okay. Uh, Randy Blythe from okay. Lamb of God. Uh, one of the guys from Dillinger Escape Plan. Dee Snyder just signed on, I believe. And so, but I was one of the original DJs, so I, I have a show every Monday at two o'clock called The Fool Metal Jacket. Not Fool, okay. but Fool right, Metal. Right, right. And so I, I pre-recorded them. Like I pre-recorded the show on Friday. Their offices are, are at 17th and uh, Petrero, okay. where, the, where the Guardian used to be. So yeah, like they have a live feed during the show, and they, they encourage the DJs to interact with the listeners. Gotcha. And it entices people to listen, and, yeah. it, and it does work. So yeah, that's why I have to. How do you, that's why I have to do after this. Got yeah. it. How do you listen to that? I mean, how do you, how would it's I? A, it's, it's a free app. You just, oh, okay. you just type in gimmeradio.com. Gimmeradio. App will come up, and All right. yeah. Um, and it's really cool, man. Like I, I have complete freedom of so like whatever I want to play, and I usually do themes. You know, like I, like my first show was Bay Area Thrash, you know. But I'm on my 40, 40 today's like a 44th episode, I think. Uh, today is every song has the the word hell in the title. Okay. Yeah, so I keep it silly, you know. I, I, I keep it fun, you know. Right, 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 right. And like last week was. Uh, what was the theme last week? Oh, every song has... This is a hard one. Like, my show's two hours long, so it's about 25 songs. I, I talk a lot, too, you know. Uh, but um, I came up with 25 songs, metal or rock songs, with Gypsy in the title. Gypsy. Uh, I think of Merciful Fate right away. Uh, 
Black Sabbath has Gypsy. Okay. Dio has Gypsy. Yeah, for sure. Uriah Heep has Gypsy. Okay. But then there's also like Cinderella has Gypsy Road. Yeah, so I did that shit too. You know, like there's a lot of rock and roll bands with Gypsy. I like, bet yeah, there yeah. Is, yeah. There's a lot of songs called Rock and Roll Gypsy, dude. I, I had like four to choose from: Saxon, Loudness, uh, like oh, <laughs> Riot. Just choose all of those. Yeah. So okay, I played them all. And like it's like next week is. Uh, it's siblings of metal, like fans that have brothers or sisters or, or brothers like people related. So, okay. like, like members. Who have, yeah, like yeah. DSI, uh, Obituary, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sepultura. Right. So yeah, it's really fun, man. I, I really enjoy doing that. Like that's, that's, awesome. that's something I want to do beyond drumming and beyond uh, playing live. Like yeah. whenever I can't play drums anymore, I want to continue to do like DJing or putting on sh- like radio shows. And Gibby Radio is taking off, so okay. I think it'll be, right. be around for a little while. You should check it out. Though. I will do that for sure. Yeah. Everyone listening to this. Yes. Check yes. it out. Sorry for that. I, I <laughs> no, no, that's totally fine. <laughs> I wanted to ask you that we have just a couple more minutes. Um, the uh, I wanted to just get your take on that Killian on Command Fest because um, that was, of all the vocalists that night, um, you and the guy from Chaos just nailed it. Yeah. And, I mean, it was sort of like jaw on the floor because people had real trouble singing those songs. Oh, dude. Which is a testament to how hard, how, what a great band that was. Yeah. And what a, a talented uh, lyricist and vocalist Sean was. It, it's hard on, on three fronts. Like, the placement of, of his lyrics are weird. Like, yeah. Like, like where, where in the riff he just starts to sing. The lyrics are wacky. Like some of them are hard, hard to remember, yeah. man. Yeah, and his voice. So, yeah, so, yeah like, like, like doing the, the rehearsals for that. I was singing every song at rehearsal. Okay. I, I'd be the only singer there sometimes. Like, 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 me and Ted were mainstays at every practice. Craig Cicero was the mainstay. Yeah. Mark Hernandez and Matt Camacho was there a lot. Yeah. But there'd be like a revolving door from practice to practice of different people. But there wouldn't be any vocalists. If it, um, what's his face was there a lot? A uh, guy from Mordred. Scott. Scott, Scott Mordred. Yeah. But, but he didn't know that many violent songs. And that wasn't a surprise either. Like, he, they, you know, they, were, they were pretty different. Totally. Yeah. So I was the only one in the room that knew all the words and knew any single song they played. I would, so after a while, I practiced like, well. And so like, I did like all of, all of the whole song in Eternal Nightmare. I almost sang that song at the show. That sound check Zetro didn't show up, so I did Eternal Nightmare, and it got like a, a, a standing ovation. People were like, "Dude, that was awesome!" And backstage, like they were almost considering giving me two songs, but but uh, I understand why. What they they want like a real singer, like a real name up there, like Zetro was a famous singer, so they, they want that presence on stage. But uh, I think I would have nailed that song. I'm not, I'm not saying Zetro did a bad job, but at sound check, I I nailed it, man. I was like, "Oh, give it to me, give it to me. I want to do it." So but I did Subterfuge, and that was yeah. fun, man. That was totally fun. But everyone, I know, everyone was shocked that I talked about it. They're like, whoa, you sounded like Sean Kelly. Yeah, it was, it was really amazing. And in fact, before the show, um, I was hanging out with Matt Harvey a little bit, and he told me, he said, man, Will is just nailing this stuff. And, and then you came yeah. out, and I was like, man, that, that, it was really, it was something. Yeah, Matt was one of the guys like like fighting for me to do Eternal Nightmare. He okay. was like, "Oh, I think Will should do it." Yeah. Man. Like, like yeah. but, you know, Zetro, you know, he, he's Zetro. He's he, he's famous, so he deserves to do some songs. So, yeah. So how did you feel about that whole show? Oh man, totally. 
just elated, man. Was, yeah. The whole night was great. And, and dude, playing, playing those songs on drums right. was a blast, too, right. man. Right. Right. And I played like four or five tunes, and, and yeah, the whole night was great, man. It was fucking awesome, man. And, and it was really cool seeing Perry Strickler play. Right. I didn't know if he could still play it. He, yeah. he played World War World really good, man. Yeah. And even the double bass part. I was like, right. oh, he can still play. I mean, what's stopping you, man? Like, you know? So it was great. It was great. Really left, fun. It was, it was a great night, and it was, I mean, it was a great celebration. It felt there was something kind of sad about it, especially at the end. And I kind of left going, all right, like, I think, I think this era of my life is over now. Yeah. And, and there was, yeah, it was bittersweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a great way, if that's true, for me, I, who knows, but it was a great way to kind of send it out. Totally. You know, um, you know what I mean? And it has a happy ending. I mean, Sean's, uh, his operation was a success, and yeah. he's, he's on, on, the, on, the, on the road to recovery. Have so. you seen him or talked to him at all? Actually, I think he's working again, so he's, oh, wow. he, he's, okay. he's on his feet. Right. So I think he's doing well. Okay. So it has a happy ending. It has a happy ending, and that's what that whole thing was about. Totally. So, totally. Yeah, great, a great celebration of yeah, an man. amazing era of this era of metal history. And everyone was getting along great backstage, and yeah, the whole thing was, was totally fun. Uh, <laughs> the funniest thing that happened backstage was uh, 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 Mark Biederman, you know Mark Biederman? Blind Illusion. Yeah. yeah. Dude, this will be my last story. He, uh, he was trying to get backstage, and he, I know him, but he doesn't know me, you know? And I was like, oh, that's Mark Biederman right there. And this, this, this big old security guard, he doesn't know, doesn't know who the fuck Blind Illusion is, you know? Like, he was like, hey, yo, yo, man, like, where, where, where are you going? He's like, oh, man, I know all these people, man, they all know me, right? And he looked at me, and I was like, I was like well, like, I mean, you don't know me. I, I mean, like, so I didn't say that, but I just kind of turned around. And he goes, you need a, you need a lamb, man. He goes, lamb, man. He goes, man, I started this fucking scene. I started this whole thing to see in here. He was, like, talking to, like, big ass brother. We don't give a shit. He's like, there's a whole thing you see in here. Oh, I started. It's me. And the guy was like, that's great, man. Go, 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 get, go get yourself a lamb. <laughs> Someone would be happy to give you a lamb. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So, uh, Poor guy. Yeah, but the night was great. And, and, and like, all the other singers did really well, too. And Zetro did great, too. I wasn't trying to, like, take away from his no. performance. But, uh... I wish I was I was allowed to sing a few more songs. I sang so many songs at practice, man. Bodies on, I mean, uh, uh, calling to the coroner, yeah. and, and I was like, I was, I was hoping I was gonna be on more songs, but yeah. I'll take what I can get. Especially uh, <laughs> an Eternal Nightmare song. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it was great, regardless, and that was stellar and totally stand man. out for me. And it's a shame it has to be something like that bad yeah. to get everybody together, you know. So. But it will happen again. I mean, someone else is going to die someone or, else is gonna have trouble. Or, or, or need help. Yeah, so. The Rash of the Titans, I mean, the, the origins of that. Totally. They go right back to Chuck. It, it, it's funny sometimes when you hear Rob Kavastani giving an interview about that and about how Death Angel reborn. Like, he, the way it comes out, it always sounds like he's saying, like, we're really glad that Chuck got cancer. <laughs> but that's not what he's saying. Not what he's but, saying. I mean, a couple of times he's backed up and said, whoa, 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 I came out wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just how that whole thing unfolded. And uh, yeah. and if there's a bright side to any of it, well, Chuck is fine. Totally. Rob got his band back, so. 
not just that thing, though, but every band got back together. Like, like a, a lot of those bands. Uh, yeah. that, that, that Violence did a, a few more shows after that. Forbidden and eventually recorded an album. And that's a great album. Mega Waves. Yeah. Fantastic. Totally, man. Yeah. Totally. Thank you for taking the time. You're, you're welcome. <laughs>